Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa, two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. On Sunday, the Giants are back home to take on the Rams. Hey, the Rams are one of the hottest teams in the National Football League. They're fighting for their playoff lives. We know the Giants have been mathematically eliminated. Carl, for this Giants team, this thing is a, it, it's a big challenge for Big Blue to try to beat this Rams team because they're healthy and they're coming off a mini bye. Yeah, it's a challenge, Bob, but again, this is a team, uh, in my opinion, that's in the Giants' weight class. And I don't think Giant fans want to hear this from me, but don't expect the Giants to lay down. This oh, no is, way. No this way. This is a, a playoff team that they're playing. The Giants, if you ask anybody – felt or still feel like when they're healthy, they are at playoff level. Um, they're going to go out and they're going to play and we're going to see just where they are. And I know it's, it's, it's natural for fans this time of year, teams eliminated, everybody's getting their 2024 roster together and they're talking about their drafts and who's going to be here and who's going to, not going to be here and there's these polls right these players some will be free agents some will uh be vying for a roster spot they're going to put on tape for this staff and for anybody else their best effort for the rest of this season and if they are who meaning the, the like when you listen to Saquon Barkley talk, or you listen to Dexter Lawrence, there's no quitting these guys, right? So if they feel that they're at a certain level, no matter what their record says they are, they're going to go out and show it. And, you know, I, I would say a classic example of a team not giving a fuck what the record is was the Detroit Lions last year down the stretch. Their last couple of games, they didn't care that they weren't in it. They needed to prove that wherever they're leaving off is going to be a good note to start on the following season. And this is where, you know, guys that are going to be with the giants and they're, they are foundation pieces. This is, the, this is the mentality that they have, right. That they should have um, because, you know, Detroit, they said, fuck it. You know, this is what it is, but we're going to go out regardless of what our record says, because we're building towards something. And we keep hearing Giants building toward, well, let's see, right? Let's see if you are building towards being the team that you think you are, um, that you say you are. You got to make some tackles. You got to communicate. You got to block all of those things. But we do know that this coaching staff is going to be here. They're not firing Brian Dable. They are not firing uh, Joe Shane. And so they have something to prove, too. They're not going to lay down as coaches. 
Right. These coaches are saying we are a better team than what's been out there. We've had injuries. They never made an excuse, but you know, there are a lot of things that have happened during the course of the year, as it does for a lot of other teams in the league. So it's not an excuse, but it's a reality when you're short staffed to begin with on good players. So when those things happen, you have to deal with the consequences. Now that you've got a lot of these things back, let's see where you are. And I think this coaching staff, um, especially Brian Dable, he's never made an excuse any any week of the season. But you can see they're coaching better. They're start, they're, there are certain things that are looking better about this team because there's better talent for whatever the available inventory is. I got a message for our fans out there. Football's back. Bet online's your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs and Super Bowl, Bet Online is going to give you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device. Get in on the action. Remember, use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Look, Brian Dable is in his second year as head coach. His record is 14-7-1. One and one in the postseason, 14-17-1 in the regular season. Your record matters. It goes on his resume, and you can be sure that he wants to win these games down the stretch, and they're not worrying about draft position. They're worrying about the record and the team and moving forward. You're 100% right, Carl. There, there's certain teams that, let's face it, if you know the staff is getting blown out and you know the GM's getting blown out, and you're guaranteed to play the, you know, you've got a contract that's probably, you know, uh, an uncuttable contract at that point in time. Yeah, there are guys that will pack it up. They'll have, you know, lingering injuries that will cause them to not play in the games coming down the stretch. But that's not the case here. In fact, I just looked at the injury report for the Giants today that came out. I mean, they got nobody listed as out at this point. And the worst that they have is questionable. And they had might have had one of their fullest practices that they've had in a long time. So, like, guys are trying to get back and play. Sure. Hey, the Giants have nine different offensive linemen that have started five or more games, which is the most in the NFL. So they, they've dealt with a bunch of injuries. Again, not an excuse for anything, but part of a function of 77 sacks allowed, which is the most in the league and all that. But it doesn't matter. Like they're going to win this game. Um, can I uh, can I stray a little bit about the sure. uh, about Coach Dable about something? Mm-hmm. So I'm really sick and tired this past week of reading about when they put Tyrod Taylor in that Dable made a massive mistake by keeping Devito in as the starter once Tyrod Taylor got healthy. That could be your opinion as a fan. And a lot of people have said that, you know, the Tommy DeVito magic is over, fried cutlets. Uh, and Dable made a massive mistake with the team by playing DeVito when Tyrod is healthy. 
I really disagree with that notion. I really disagree with it. I don't think he made a mistake. I think he went with the hot hand. Yep. And he played the guy that was winning. Till till as of right now, Tommy DeVito has the most wins of any starting quarterback of the Giants this year. And he was going to go with the hot hand until the hot hand fell apart. Now, the reason after the New Orleans game why DeVito started the Philadelphia game is plain and simple. If you looked at the play of the Giants front, whether it's the offensive linemen, running backs, tight ends, receivers, all things combined, they did a horrible job and they didn't give DeVito a chance. And they determined watching the film, hey, a lot of this in New Orleans was not on the quarterback. Sure. This was like horrible execution. So he makes the switch, and Tyrod comes in, and listen, they got a defensive touchdown, and they got a fumble on the opening kickoff and started on the 13-yard line. It's not like he was marching them up and down the field. Now, Tyrod Taylor has a high football IQ, always had. He's one of the smarter players in the National Football League, and he's been a fantastic player in the league uh, for the number of years that he's played in the league. But, I mean... He made a great throw to Slayton, but he also missed some layup throws that were sure. factors in the game. So this whole notion that it's not like Tyrod came in and, and completed 18 of 19 for 180 yards and threw a bunch of touchdown passes. The offense looked a lot the same as it did in the first half of the game. And if Waller catches the slant, you might be having a whole different conversation at right. this point for a right. touchdown. So he didn't, I don't, and this is my opinion. I don't believe that Dable made a mistake by keeping DeVito in. He wrote it, and he wrote it until he felt his team needed a spark, and he put Tyrod in, and the Eagles fumbled the opening kickoff of the third quarter, and then Adore Jackson had his first career touchdown and a return for an interception. Yeah. Um, it's always <clears throat> a delicate dance when it comes to fans and who they like and who they don't. Um, there was a time when they put Tommy DeVito in in the Jets game where nobody thought the kid could even play, right? And then they slowly started to warm up to him, as you could see, you know, once he started to get the grasp of the NFL. Um, Tyrod Taylor is a trusted backup. They know what he is. Um, he's a starting quarterback, if not for the injuries that he's unfortunately had every year. And the, the funny thing about his injuries, they all came on teams that were eventually going to go with the guy they drafted, right? right. And he's he was a bridge in Cleveland. Remember, he was a bridge to um, Johnny Menzel. In San Diego at the time, he was a bridge to Justin Herbert. Um Buffalo, bridge to Josh Allen. But he's the bridge that you can trust as a starter. And you don't, you probably don't see Justin Herbert for another full year or late in the year if um, he doesn't get his lung punctured pregame. <laughs> By the doctor. Yeah. So um, he's a trusted entity. Um he too liked DeVito. You know, he's got to get his reps too because, you know, being a backup is being a backup until you get full-time reps and game reps. So he's missing plays, yes. 
Um, but he's his football IQ um, and his ability to process is at this stage at graduate level in DeVito's undergrad. Um, but either way, you as a coach have to go with how you feel. And as an offensive coach, which Brian Dable is, he has a better feel for his quarterbacks. You know, the things that we don't see or a lot of, you know, fans who are just black and white with it, it's not. Football is not black and white. Yeah, the results are black and white, but the feel for how things are going to go, that is that is instinct. That is either player instinct or coach's instinct. And so um, he's doing what he thinks is in the best interest of the team. I truly do not believe it has any political um, uh, uh, undertones to it, meaning political like like locker room politics type thing. Well, he wanted to pacify his locker room. As you guys saw, Tommy DeVito, his teammates loved him. They still love him when he's playing everybody rallied around him because it's in their best interest, right? So I don't think it was a matter of the, the locker room was getting restless and they needed Tyrod to, that's not how it works. Um, but it's the feel of the head coach and these players, thankfully, they love their teammates and they're going to support the guy that's in there. If one guy was awful, then you'd be hearing a lukewarm response from you know the decision that the coach made, but um, they're going to be all right. And here's the thing. If Tyrod doesn't do well, DeVito can come in and as a backup again. Yeah, I mean, remember, uh, listen, I know the fans are watching this and listening to this, 5 and 10, especially after last year's excitement. I know everybody's disappointed. But you got the right man leading the helm, um, just in the sense of the way Dable's kind of kept this thing together. Other than that Xavier McKinney thing that was put to bed pretty quickly, there's been no chirping, unnamed sources within the locker room, all that other stuff. Because remember last year, remember when the Jets went to Mike White mm -hmm. and they had T-shirts made up <laughs> while the guy that got benched yeah. was sitting in the thing. Like, you don't have any of that stuff with the, going on with the Giants right now. They're just trying to figure out a way to win. And I guarantee you, um, if Tyrod's ineffective for whatever the reason, I don't think they would hesitate to make a switch again. I mean, Correct. they're trying to find ways to win games. It's plain and simple. They're not worrying about the draft spot. They're looking for ways to win football games. And they got their hands full this week. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. I mean, since in the last five games, Stafford second in the NFL in yardage, and he's first in the NFL in touchdown passes, 14. Only one pick during that time. Only one sack and .2 turnovers a game. And when they've got Stafford, Cup, Nakua, and Williams for the seven games they've had this year, 29 points a game, 148 yards rushing, and the quarterback's had a passer rating of 110. So this is going to be a big challenge for the Giants' defense. It is. And I don't know where the Giants defense is trending statistically, but they are applying a lot of pressure from a lot of different places uh, throughout the game. And they're affecting how quarterbacks or how offenses are operating. Uh, I think Wink has done a really good job of that. Uh, I think 
where the challenges are with the Giants are it's it's number one defensively it's tackling they they took a step backwards tackling against the Philadelphia Eagles because if they can do that they be uh, they be one more win in in the in the standings but they didn't tackle well they if they can tackle well I have no doubt that these game plans are working out. Um, and whatever the offensive game plan was against Philadelphia, they Philadelphia had one sack. And that front, I would venture to say, was much better than the Saints front. Much better than a lot of fronts that they were giving up eight and nine sacks to during the course of a game. And so they had something working for them. Um, so as fans, I understand you're in draft mode right now. I look at it through a different lens because if you don't see progress and it's little things, then whatever you draft, you're going to draft somebody into a bad situation. And a young kid coming into a bad situation, he doesn't get better. So I'm looking at the competitive nature of this team for the rest of the season. I want to see that 2022 Detroit Lions giving zero fucks about who's playing, we're doing this for us type thing. That's what I'm looking for. I understand where you as Giant fans are. You've moved on from this season and you want to make, you're going to play GM and make wholesale changes. And they're probably going to be a lot of the things that you're looking for. But just understand and this is not a quarterback talk situation. This is a personnel situation. If you bring fresh personnel from a college perspective, they can come from Alabama. They can come from any major powerhouse. You insert player A into a culture, or into a team that is not a competitive spirited team, then he's either going to be a lone guy and you're going to say, well, we need 10 more like him. Or he's going to come in and say he was the missing piece. And now we got to continue to build on this. So that's, you know, that's where I'm at. Understand where the fans are coming from. I, I get it. They don't want to hear any of this because they don't think you can fix anything in a losing season. Well, if your car's in, if your car's broken down and you need to get home, you got to fix something. You know, even if it's changing a tire, if you need four new tires and one of them blue and you got a spare, you still got three bad tires, but you put a spare on to get home, right? You're trying to get home and you're trying to be productive in doing so. So that's that's where I am because you're gonna you you're not gonna fix a problem um unless it's it starts these, you know, this season, but you only got two left. So give them your best and then you can start looking at how guys fit, or if you got to make additions and subtractions, as simple as that. Right. And I mean, you, you know, just take care of business and, and put your best foot forward on tape because you know that like these guys aren't going anywhere. They're, they're, they're not going anywhere. I mean, these, this general manager and this head coach, they're going to be there. And, and, and they're like Santa Claus right now. They're making a list and checking it twice. Yeah. And what you put on paper and what you put on tape is what you put on tape. Mm -hmm. And that's a, and that's a really, 
that's a really big factor as far as uh you know this team is concerned and hey look the Giants there's a lot of areas that they got to improve upon we all know that uh you know big plays they haven't made a lot of big plays the third down percentage is not good 39% of their third downs uh have been 9 plus so staying consistent number 13 hasn't been a factor and it's not necessarily I, I guess overtly anything that he's doing wrong. I don't, we don't uh, know what's happening during the course of the week, but you know, they, I think they were intentional about getting the ball over the last six games, maybe one game. We don't know why that is. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it's, well, you know, we want to take deep shots with him, but you know, when they did run him on some shallow stuff a few games ago, he, he made some plays and then the new Orleans game, he looked like he was disinterested and um, the Eagles game, you know, the targets were what they were. So, right. you know, you'd like to see more from him, but you'd also like to see more from the team and, and, and being intentional about getting them the football, but we don't know why they're not. Can I, um, can I shift this quickly to a Saquon Barkley appreciation thread? Mm-hmm. You know, we got two games to go in the season. And, you know, it all started. Is he going to sign? Is he going to be there for the first day of camp? So on and so forth. And he winds up coming in on that, you know, franchise tag, uh, uh, amended contract. And, you know, he's been pretty special this year, not in explosives and all that other stuff. I mean, last year he had 11 runs of, 20 or more yards this year. He's got only four, but the giants are down in that category anyway, this year, but you know, his leadership, his positivity, you know, there's only three players in the NFL this year that have four or more rushing touchdowns and four or more receiving touchdowns. It's Barkley, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And it's been a grind for him, yep. but he needs 22 yards to pass Ahmad Bradshaw for eighth place in the all-time scrimmage yard for the Giants. Right now, Saquon's got 7,146. He needs one more 100-yard rushing game to break a tie with Rodney Hampton for third most in franchise history. Joe Morris has 19, and Tiki, of course, has 38. Right now, Saquon's got 17. And he needs 170 yards over the last two games rushing to surpass Joe Morris and move into third place in the Giants' all-time rushing list. I don't know what the future holds for Saquon Barkley as far as, you know, if he's going to be back next year, if he's going to get re-signed, if he's going to get a contract, will he get tagged again? We're not privy to that information. But I'd love to see him hit these marks mm -hmm. and just keep moving up the list because he deserves that kind of – uh acknowledgement and he deserves those places in the Giants record books if he can get some of these numbers yeah and for me uh as it relates to Saquon I mean his leadership is the heart and soul of this giant team he has even when he was injured he is still the most consistent uh, player in terms of their their culture and their foundation. He is their heart and soul. Um, I admire the fact that 
he came in to work and he never said a word about his contract at all. And when asked about it, he said very little in terms of other than it's a business, right? This kid, you know, I, I, I am extremely hopeful that uh, this, both those, their sides come together and let's look beyond the positional value of a guy like Saquon Barkley and look at organizational value that he brings because he has stabilized the locker room. Whereas if he was a jackass and a guy that these guys looked up to, you would not have the the solidarity that you have in this locker room. I mean, these guys, his teammates look up to him. His leadership is important. And if you're assessing the economics of, of Saquon Barkley as a running back, Saquon Barkley as a overall contributor to what you want to get done, subtract him and see what's left as you're making those assessments. What does that mean to your locker room? And I'm not talking about some veteran player who, you know, is a not a hanger on, but a guy who's there, a glue guy, right? There are mm -hmm. veterans that are glue guys that are trying to bring the young kids along, right? Saquon Barkley is homegrown. He's not a guy you're importing to try to keep the locker room together. He's your glue. He is your super glue. He is everything to this team. And so as you assess that, I think we are clearly past the point of positional value. This is a matter of organizational value. And when I say organizational value, what does he mean in terms of what you're trying to build? Because if you subtract him, what are you subtracting? You got Gray, you got Brightwell, you can get a kid from college. Um, what do they mean to you other than performance, right? You may be able to get somebody who can do what Saquon Barkley does, or Maybe not, but they can give you production. Right. But can they motivate your locker room? Can they, when the the, the percentages were so low uh, of, of them trying to get to the playoffs, he's the guy who stood up in the locker room and said, we're still in this motherfucker. As long as there's, you know, as long as there's a chance, we're still in it. He ain't the guy who's saying, I'm planning my vacation and next year's a new year. And I got to make some business decisions. The only business decision Saquon Barkley has made is to be the best teammate he could be for the New York Giants. And I mean, that's in terms of performance as well as his his relationships with his teammates. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there is value to that. And I think we've 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 seen that it's beyond just the positional or where he slotted as a running back. I think by way, and I could be totally wrong. And, 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 you know, I know there's no emotion in Joe Shane as it relates to trying to make sound business decisions for the organization. But clearly this guy, and don't get me wrong. I have the utmost respect 
for Daniel Jones, and obviously everybody knows I'm a fan of his, but it's not the quarterback's team. This is Saquon Barkley's team. This is the guy they look to. Um, and so you got to look at that in terms of the value of, of, of or, or as they say, cost value proposition. He That proposition for them is beyond just the running back slot. And, you know, I know they're not, they're not going to overpay him. We know that um, because that's just not how the Giants operate. And this is a salary cap era. Um, and um, they don't get emotional about these things. But I think wherever they are in this, I hope they really factor it. It's important. And it's also important to the team at this point, the, the players on this team and the culture that they really factor in the intangibles of a leader like Saquon Barkley. Cause like I say, he's not a, he's not a aging veteran glue guy. He's your most productive player, but he also showed you something when he walked through those doors with a smile on his face and a hundred percent effort every time he took the field and keeping your locker room together. That means something. And I, I hope they assess that. That's my I got one, Barkley appreciation. Yeah. I got one more fun stat for you. It's not that fun if you're the Giants defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, or the Giants defensive players. In the red zone this year, the Rams are an NFL best 48 of 49. They've only had one red zone failure all year, 29 touchdowns and 19 field goals. Uh, they're ninth in touchdown percentage. So, you know, Stafford's not making mistakes. Puka Nakua is got a chance to set the all-time rookie record for receptions. Anquan Bolden had 101 his rookie year. Uh, Jalen Waddell had 100 and, 104. And he's got a chance to move up the list. He's currently fifth for receiving yards in NFL history. Um, and he has got a chance to pass Anquan Bolden, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase uh, down the stretch here. So it's going to be a formidable task. Do you have anything else specific on this game? Because I have something else I want to venture into. Well, I think attention to detail when it comes to Matthew Stafford because he is diet Aaron Rodgers. He's diet prime Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. You know, being in the same division of, as Aaron Rodgers, you just didn't appreciate his skill set. But he's got the prime Aaron Rodgers is where Stafford's ability is. I call him diet. Aaron Rodgers in terms of because nobody really knew, but he's he can throw different arm angles and he's a tough son of a gun. So attention to detail is very important in terms of not allowing them to, to live in your red zone. So the Giants are going to have to deal with that. I want to go, I want to go down memory lane for a second. Now the Rams, whether it's the Cleveland Rams the St. L.A. Rams, the St. Louis Rams, and now the Los Angeles Rams. They've done well against the Giants. They've won three straight against the Giants. They've won uh, 28 of the 44 regular season meetings. Teams have split uh, postseason games. Uh, they're 2-1 and one at MetLife. They're 15-9 and nine when they play at the Giants. Um we all know about the Flipper Anderson game in 89. Um, 
But I want to go back to 1984 for you because that's your rookie season in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's Parcell's second season as head coach. And you guys go out to Los Angeles to play the Rams uh, in Anaheim when they were playing in Anaheim. And this was a hard-fought game. And you guys go out there on December the 23rd of 1984. Yeah. And you beat them 16 to 13. Uh, your recollections of this game as a rookie and with the Giants going out there and playing in the wild card. Imagine that the wild card round was on December the 23rd. Yeah. Back then. Um, that was, you know, in that, that game was, you know, I think I was a full-time starter by that time in the season, but you were, um, but that I remember the regular season game against them. It was my first time getting a lot of playing time. So by then I was a full-time starter, but that was that was a challenge because there was not a there was no playoff experience on the team, you know, especially because we had a lot of guys out there, but we wanted to, you know, just go out and battle. And you know, playing on Christmas Eve was kind of a thing back then. Um, inconvenient if you're a wild card. That's why you didn't want to you didn't want to be a wild card. You wanted to try to at least get a buy because wild card games were played at inconvenient dates, but. It was it was a really you know just from the the time we got there and the focus that was needed to play that game, um, it was different. It was you know our coaches were really on us about detail oriented stuff because you know playoffs were new, and you know given our ability and what the expectations were within our organization. We felt we could do it if we didn't beat ourselves. And, you know, like you said, it was a hard-fought game, and we we were able to come through. Yeah, I think fans would forget that Jeff Kemp was the starting quarterback for the Rams, but you had to deal with Eric Dickerson. Yep. Uh, who wound up having a good game. He had 107 yards rushing, and he had he had the lone touchdown in the game for the Rams, I believe. Um Rob Carpenter had a rushing touchdown for you guys. And then there was a whole bunch of Ali Haji chic field goals along the way. But was that like a perfect example of New York Giants complimentary football? Yeah. Um, and the beautiful part about that era of complimentary football, and it highlights just the importance of coaching, is that going into that game, Bill Parcells outlined what we needed to be on that Sunday or that Saturday. Um, and it wasn't bashing one side of the football or the other or the kicking game. It's like, hey, we ain't going to be able to, and, I, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you know, you'll get the drift. We won't be able to do shit against this defense. But hey, defense, we can turn these guys over, kicking game, we need you to constantly punter and he, he tell the punter, I need you to have your best day and cover guys. I need you to pin them back. Or if it's a defense and we were a prideful group, he wouldn't say it to the degree he would say it about the offense, but he'd say defense, this is going to be your biggest challenge offense. We got to, we got to put some points on the board early so that we can get after these guys. You know, um, but complimentary football was was about coaching and communicating that at the beginning of the week 
so that everybody knew that they had to help each other out. You know, if you expected your offense not to be able to do a lot, your defensive guys went over. Every time they had to punt, our defensive guys would go over and say, don't worry, we'll get you the ball back. Or we'll say, we need to get them the ball back a few more times. That is complimentary football, and that's how we played that game out in um, L.A. Well, you guys won the turnover battle. And in a playoff yep. game, that's that's a factor. Uh, yep. There were no interceptions thrown, but you forced Jeff Kemp into a fumble, and you fumble. You forced Eric Dickerson to lose a fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you. You're never. I don't know if you're ever going to get this because, like Henry Ellard and Ron Brown were the big time receivers for uh, for the Rams at that point in time. Uh, obviously, Dickerson had a good game. He ran for 107. I mean, Joe Morris and Rob Carpenter had 23 carries for 41 yards combined. So their yeah. defense was good. Sims only threw for a buck 79 with sack four times. Do you know who the, do you remember who the leading receiver from a yardage standpoint was in that game? Who McConkey? Nope. Zeke Moat. Wow. Okay. He had seven for 73 in that football game. Um, wow. So, you know, the, the run the football, Play great defense, force turnovers, use the tight end, simple throws. Um, and there you have it, a road victory. So that was like Carl Banks coming out party. Yeah. And really the first step in sort of the building towards Super Bowl 21, a road yeah. playoff win. Nothing better than that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you got anything else? I'm good. That's all I got. I would like to end it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe in Giants. Giants. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.